You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. Unacceptable in all areas. Unacceptable coaching, unacceptable playing, unacceptable effort, not what we're about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. We lied to them during recruiting or we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Like I said, coach our kids to, to do the right thing. And, uh, you know, play with poise, play with confidence, play with dignity, play with class. At the same time, we're not going to take anyone's shit either. As we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now, that's all, sir. It's second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> hey, hey, I don't like getting it. It's the only time we're ever getting excited about second. From now on, it's first, okay? No, I want to do is fucking eat. I want you to eat. I want you to eat. I want you to want this shit. Do you want it? Do you want it? Show me. Bunch of this did it again. Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Hey, buddy. How are you? <laughs> Doing good, Shane. Doing good. So it's been a little while since we recorded. It's been about 24 hours. I wanted to ask you, Shane, <laughs> have you figured out a name for Steve Spurrier's restaurant yet? Hell no. You know, the more I thought about it, I ain't going to that damn restaurant, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that I hope it flops, but, you know, I just, I'm, I'm proud of him. But I know he's not going to be involved with it. This is probably one of his agents, you know, saying this is a great idea and this is what everybody's doing. So I just, no, I, I'm out on the Steve Spurrier. You know, I like the head ball coach. I like, you know, as far as his attitude. and But I kept thinking about them cartwheels. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? No, no, I'm out. <laughs> because all that hate came back. I'm watching some old 90s videos of Tennessee Vols. And I said, you know what? No, I'm out. <laughs> All right, Shane, I guess that makes sense. You can't come up with a name, so you're going to take it out on old Steve Spurrier. That's that's what it is right there. You know, okay, here we go. I did think about it a little bit. Like, you could do, uh, like, uh, instead of fun and gun, you could do fun and buns, and it could be like hamburgers. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You with me? But then I thought that sounded so stupid that I didn't want to say it. So I just said, you know what? I hope the restaurant doesn't make it. So here. I... <laughs> <laughs> but maybe, hopefully it lasts longer than the AAF, the last thing he was involved with. Oh, uh, well, you know, that I was kind of hoping would succeed. Mm-hmm. And, and, and not not so much for Spurrier, even though, you know, he's, he's all about winning championships, you know. But <laughs> I, I was just hoping for the kids that this would be – uh, another avenue for them to continue playing the sport and maybe have an opportunity to to move up to the next level just it really sucks that that didn't work out but honestly let's think about it mike what's the last few things that spurrier's touched it's not worked out well i mean south carolina started out strong ended ended pretty bad i mean he's he snuck out in the middle of the night like a lane kiffin and then and then you got this league they didn't even make it through a season it just shuts down completely and so I don't know. I'd be I'd be careful before I turned in my application at that restaurant because 
it may not make it a year, Mike. Well, I think if you even go back further, remember he signed with the Washington Redskins. I think he signed oh, a five-year deal. He made it two years through it, and, and he was gone. That's true, man. I mean, he's only struck gold once, so maybe he's already, you know, he's already made a deal with the devil, and he just can't get out of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shane, before we ramble on too much about Steve Spurrier, not a ton of news to cover in the SEC. Obviously, we're still in the dead of the offseason, but... You know, the fever's catching on online. I can tell we're getting Florida fans sending me threats when I'm just posting random numbers of over-under. So that's what I know college football is really <laughs> coming back. We're getting close. Fans want this podcast. They want college football talk to get them through until the season's coming up. We're only two months away from the first game of the season. So while there may not be news for us to discuss, Shane, we, we do have some good content here that we're going to discuss and instead of going around the league, uh, we're going to give you guys some gambling advice because we've got week one lines. These are the official week one lines, which for uh, obviously 60 days away. And then FanDuel, they were the first ones to come out with over-under totals for every team in the SEC. So we've seen some of these numbers, but not for every single team. So we're going to go over those. Uh, so are you ready to talk some gambling, chain? Let's talk gambling, Mike. Oh, this new crazy mother... strategy cotton let's see if it pays off for what you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things i have ever heard all right shane let's start by just going through the week one lines let's do that first and then we'll get to these over unders uh, but obviously we got to start with the week zero game florida versus miami and that's going to be in orlando and I anticipate, uh, you know, while it's a neutral field, I think there's going to be way more Gator fans. I think this will be, you know, a game where Miami fans are talking big on social media. I've already seen that for months already. Uh, but they, we all know the Gator fans are better than the Hurricane fans, unless Miami's uh, winning national championships and all of a sudden the, the entire city <laughs> gets behind them. But they're far removed from those days. So Florida, seven and a half point favorite, week zero. Any chance uh, that Miami covers a touchdown and, ha and a half a point there? No, I don't think so, unless that punter's playing both ways, you know. <laughs> uh, I, I think, I think really, man, I think, I think Florida's going to come out, I mean, guns blazing. I, I, I really do. I think that they, they're wanting to prove something this year. I don't think Miami's going to be as good as people think. And I think Florida's going to be better than people think. And uh, I think, I and I, I'm this is kind of a bold statement, but I think the Gators have you're sleeping on one of the best receiving cores in the league, and uh, I think they're going to shine when it comes to the season opener here. Yeah, and I think the smart avenue for Miami here would just be kind of go quiet into this one, and you know not do so much talking. But we're kind of seeing the reverse of that all off season. I mean, you got coaches and administrators and players uh, hyping up what they're going to do to Florida. And I'm not prepared to say Florida is going to be any some kind of world beater or anything, but I do think the difference between Miami and Florida is, is pretty wide right now. So Gators favoring that 7.5, I think they'll probably win by two touchdowns in this one. Oh, yeah. All right, Shane, so that's week, the only Week 0 SEC game we got, but we got – a line for all the rest of the SEC games here, uh, with the exception of the Arkansas game. Arkansas opens at home against Portland State. 
So I guess we all know there's no, no need for a line for that one, but we do have lines for every other game. And let's start with uh, the Thursday game, Shane. Texas A&M at home against Texas State, 34.5 points. So Texas A&M would have to win by five touchdowns against a team that went 3-9 and nine last season. So <laughs> I don't know how you're feeling. About what do you think? Can Texas A&M uh, win by five touchdowns? I think so, man. I think again, statement game. Jimbo coming out. I, I see he's. I I think he's going to want to run the score up, uh, even though he won't come out and say it. And I just think that hell, his freshman can beat Texas State. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to tell you, Shane. I'm actually going to go the other way right now on Texas State, and I'm certainly not picking them to win the game. But I I like them with the 34 and the half, and I'll tell you why, Shane. Because week two. That's when Texas A&M goes to Clemson. And I think this could be the classic game where Aggies are going to play it kind of vanilla. They don't want to show their hand too much. Uh, They really need to develop a backup quarterback. So maybe the entire second half you sit Kellen Mond. Maybe that's too much. Maybe the entire fourth quarter. But you really need to get some reps for the backup. So uh, I think there's a good chance that Texas State maybe, you know, shuts the Aggies out in the fourth quarter or scores a late touchdown or two to cover that 34 and a half points. Yeah. I, I don't care if Sinbad comes back. They're going to, they're <laughs> going to get this spread, buddy. <laughs> I just, I think this is going to be a 50 point ball game, man. All right. Next game up here, Shane, Mississippi state, a 22 and a half point favorite against Lafayette. And this for some reason is a neutral site game. This is in new Orleans. Uh, I don't know how many Lafayette fans are going to show up for this one. I would imagine, uh, you know, it's a nice little showing here for Mississippi State fans to make the short drive to New Orleans. That would be a good time for them, but I still would like to rather see this game in Starkville. What do you think about this one, Shane? Do you think Mississippi State can cover a little more than three touchdowns? I do. I think I think Vegas is a little worried mm-hmm. about, you know, everything that's going on on the offense side of, of Mississippi State, and I think that's probably why this spread – isn't as high as as one would think so i think they do obviously come out with the victory and and maybe a little sluggish at first but i I think yeah three touchdowns a little over three touchdowns i think they can get that now keep in mind that uh louisiana went seven and seven last year they had a five and four conference record but they did go to the sunbelt championship game so uh, this is a decent program it's not uh i don't expect a blowout here but I don't know. This one would be a stay away for me because I could see Mississippi State easily winning by three touchdowns. But, you know, the 21, Lafayette's going to. This ain't, this ain't Lou Holtz's son's team, is it? <laughs> no, that's uh, Louisiana Tech. Oh, okay. Yeah, no. They, I think they get 22 then. All right. So Kentucky's a 13 point favorite at home against Toledo. Toledo went 7 and 6 last year, 5 and 3 in the MAC. And they did go to a bowl game, but uh, you know I think Kentucky—they've had a—they're going to have a lot to prove. They're got, they got a lot of doubters this off season for some reason. I mean, I guess I know why because they lost so much talent. But uh, like Mark Stoops says, it's because they've got other guys that they've developed, so they got a lot of confidence going into this season. I think that uh, you know less than two touchdowns at home against Toledo, coming off a ten-win season, I'm going to take the Wildcats every time. Yeah, I do. I am too. I think that they're going to come out. I think Terry Wilson, I mean, he looked fantastic in the spring game. Uh, I think they're going to try to get more vertical on this team, which is going to obviously lead to more points. And, uh, man, you got cash on the other side of the ball. Yeah, give me that spread all day long. All right, Shane, next game on the docket, we got 
Ole Miss at Memphis. And this is a dangerous one here, Shane. Memphis, obviously a really good team on the last several years. And Memphis, believe it or not, even though they are playing at home, coming off an 8-6 and six season, but they are nearly a touchdown favorite against Ole Miss at home. Minus 6 is the spread. Uh, and i got to lean towards Memphis. I think they're going to win this game, but... Uh, I don't know. That's that spread is a little dicey, but I'm still I'm very confident that Memphis will win this game. I'm just not sure. I don't think it's going to be a blowout, but uh, I I think I would take Memphis in the six. What do you think? Yeah, I'm with you, man. Uh, this is Norvell's fourth year, and a lot of people are talking that this may be his last year at Memphis. And one thing I read that Memphis is going to be favored in every game they play this year. So um, a lot of people sleeping on them don't know much about them. But I think they're going to have a pretty strong team, and Ole Miss is going to have a tough one here. So, yeah, I'm going to – I think right at this moment, I mean, it's still freaking June, man, but I'm, I'm leaning a little more toward Memphis on this one. Now, on the flip side, I could say, you know, the Rebels, they do have a ton of momentum with recruiting, and obviously everyone wants to point to their two coordinators. I think they made two outstanding hires there this offseason. This could be a game, Shane, where they're going into Memphis – I mean, imagine you're an SEC player and saying, hey, you're a damn underdog to Memphis. Uh, Ole, yeah. Ole Miss might come out here and just beat the hell out of the Tigers and just kind of you know, try to prove everyone wrong. So they're going to have that edge on it. I mean, I don't know if that will be enough to get it done, but uh, that's got to be some kind of silver lining for Rebel fans to just you know, play the disrespect card. I think that's going to work. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Shane. So next game up, you, I know you've been waiting on this one. Tennessee, <laughs> their home opener, season opener, against Georgia State, who went 2-10 and 10 last year out of the Sun Belt. So Falls are favored big here by 26 points. Are your boys going to cover the nearly four touchdowns here? Oh, Mike, we're going we're gonna to knock that out before the first quarter's over, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what Wishful Shane thinks. So, uh, yeah, no, I th- I'm taking the over on this one. You know, I really love these first games of the season just because Vegas doesn't really know what, you know, if you're really following your team, if you feel confident about them, this is when you're betting right here, week one, because the long, the further they go, the better they get at this. So I think that Tennessee is going to be much improved, uh, especially offensively. And uh, with Cheney there, I think, I, I think it's just going to be uh, – I think it's just going to be a fantastic game. So I'm looking forward to it, and I, and I like Tennessee with the over. All right, Shane, I'm going to disappoint you here, but I'm actually going to go Georgia State. I feel pretty confident about that. I can see this being a classic game where, you know, Tennessee pulls it out in the end, wins by, you know, 20 to 24 points, and, uh, you know, maybe it's close at halftime. Volunteer fans are freaking out. They, they want Jeremy Pruitt fired by halftime. And, you know, they come out strong with the fourth quarter and, and put this thing away. But I could certainly see that. I think Jim Chaney's offense, all volunteer fans are excited about this guy. But I just don't think he's going to come in and they're going to light the world on fire immediately. I think it's going to take some time. And particularly with their offensive line still a work in progress. If they can run all over Georgia State, they, they should blow them out. But I'm just not confident. I mean, we just saw it time and time again last year that they were unable to move, I mean, even teams like damn UTEP. So I'm, I'm just not confident week one that they're going to be just blowing the doors off teams. But uh, I, I like Georgia State in the 26 right there. 
Yeah, I also think that you probably brought home some of that wacky tobacco from Colorado, <laughs> and you're high right now because there's no way <laughs> this is going to be a ball game. All right, how about this one, Shane? Alabama, 30-and-a-half point favorite against Duke, and this is a neutral site game in Atlanta. Uh, I think we're both, uh, you know, Duke lost their quarterback to the New York Giants in the first round, so uh, this should be an easy win for Alabama. I, I think I got to favor the – I'd take the 30-and-a-half. Yeah, Mike, I want to agree with you, but there's just something about this game that I'm afraid to bet on. And it's not that I don't think Alabama's going to win big. I think they will. But this may be one of those games that Alabama jumps out big and then Duke just kind of crawls back in it just enough to get back in that point spread. So I'm afraid to touch this one right here. I I think that's a good – that's right where it needs to be on the points. Mm-hmm. I, um, I just, I, there's just so much uncertainty with Duke, and there's so much uncertainty with Alabama right now, as far as especially the uh, the secondary. So, I'm just, I'm going to hold off on this one. All right, Shane, we got another neutral sider, South Carolina, seven and a half point favorite against North Carolina. This game is in Charlotte, in where the Carolina Panthers play. Uh, the Gamecocks favored by seven and a half. What do you think about this one? Uh, give me South Carolina. I mean, I I'm looking forward to this game. When is it? So so this is uh, we don't have any times or anything on this, right? Uh, no, we do. I believe this oh. is uh, the ESPN night game. Is is, oh. is what I'm thinking. That's perfect. Mac Brown's pills have kicked in by the end. You know, he's <laughs> damn near ninety. So yeah, give me South Carolina, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm just baffled by this one because I mean North Carolina's coming off a two and nine season. I know South Carolina had a disappointing bowl game, but I don't factor bowl games into one season from the next. They're they're basically meaningless to me in in that regard. Uh, South Carolina should have the edge on on just so many levels, and uh, I don't know. I like South Carolina to cover that one easy. I, I'm still perplexed by this seven and a half line. Yeah, bet on that one, boys and girls. All right, Shane, LSU at home against Georgia Southern. So we got a, we got a couple Georgia teams here, and Georgia Southern actually is coming off a ten and three season. That's about all I got on Georgia Southern. But LSU favored by twenty five points. Shane, uh, what do you think about this one? Do you remember Georgia Southern when they had that running back that was like supposed to be the greatest running back ever? Yeah, his. And you know what his name is? And it, it, but it was similar to somebody that was actually a good running back. What was his name? It was identical, Shane. His name was Adrian Peterson. That's right. Yes, all day, and we thought this is the and and guess what, guys? He ain't suiting up. So <laughs> I'm going LSU big on this one. They're gonna go five wide. They ain't gonna have enough defense back there. Them boys are gonna be wore out. Hmm. They're gonna be they're gonna be breaking in the fun and gun, man. I'm I'm going big. Well, this is another one, Shane, where you know there's so much hype on LSU's offense, and I'm not trying to say that they're gonna suck because I think, you know, I got I credit them for trying something different. They had to do it because just year in and year out, I mean, their their offense is stagnant when they play these tough teams. And they had to get away from it. So there's tons of hype. People are going to think they're going to be just be throwing it all over the yard. And that's what they keep saying. And I'm not saying they're not, but I just don't believe that it's going to be, you know, flying on all gears week one. So 25 points, Shane. I'm going to, I'm actually going to take those points. I'm going to go Georgia Southern in the 25. I think LSU will win by, you know, 
maybe three touchdowns and maybe a little, maybe a 24th makes sense, but uh, 25 points. I'm taking Georgia Southern with the points. Yeah, I'm I'm not with you, but I I like. You said a lot of nice words there, Mike, but you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right, how about this one? This is a weird one, Shane. Missouri is actually on the road against Wyoming week one, but Missouri is a 14-and-a-half-point favorite. Wyoming went 6-and-6 six six last year, did not. I guess they could have went to a bowl, but I don't know. I don't understand. They didn't go to one. Maybe they were banned. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, Missouri, 14-and-a-half points favorites on the road with a new quarterback. Who do you like in this one? Oh, you know me, buddy. I'm all on the Missouri train, and I think uh, I think you're going to see Kelly after this game and say, you know what, this guy could be a top three quarterback in the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this needs to be a statement for Missouri, and opening it on the road is a little weird, particularly at Wyoming, but thankfully it's not going to be cold up in Wyoming at this time, I don't think, so... Uh, you know, Missouri beat the hell out of this team last year when I picked Wyoming to win yeah. <laughs> in Columbia. What's the weather like, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm with you there. I think Missouri's going to rock this team. I think they win by at least uh, 20 points. All right, Shane, I think we, we already know where you're going on this one, but Auburn, two-point favorite versus Oregon in Arlington. And uh, you still riding that uh, duck bandwagon there? Yeah. Um, I think so, man. And what, what's the point spread on this, though? Uh, Auburn is favored by two. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't know if I will put $100 on it, though, you know, because mm-hmm. um, there's so many other good games, I think. So I am. I do think that Oregon wins, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's by one point, Mike. Well, Shane, the thing I keep hearing about Oregon from Oregon people is they have several NFL prospects on that offensive line. That was something I was unaware of heading into the offseason. But you know what happens when these Pac-12 linemen, Shane, that think they're going to the NFL, what happens when they face SEC linemen that are going to the NFL? They get dominated. So I like Auburn's advantage on both lines of scrimmage. I know they're going to be starting a new quarterback, and Oregon's got this hot shot kid who apparently is going to go to the NFL, but I think he scored like six points in his bowl game. So mm-hmm. I'm not really buying in on this guy either. So I'm going to take Auburn and the two points. I think Auburn's going to win this game by two touchdowns. Oh, wow. You know what? I'm going, I'm going over. I, I think, I think Oregon, the more I think about it, you know, I think that we're going to have a couple scores, but it's going to be in favor of the Oregon ducks. <laughs> that just, the more I think about it, have you ever seen a, Duck, pull a truck, because it's happening, son. <laughs> <laughs> All right, final week one game here, Shane. Remember, there's no Arkansas versus Portland State line. Georgia on the road at Vanderbilt, the only SEC game we got week one. Georgia's favored by 18 and a half. Who do you like in this one? Uh, Georgia. Georgia. But, I, you know, I don't be surprised if it's barely over 18. I just – I, I don't think they're going to have to show too much week one mm-hmm. and trying to work some of those receivers in. I think it's going to be more of a ground pound type game. Uh, Georgia wins, but, you know, it's going to be pretty close to that damn line, I think. Yeah. Yeah. My concern here would be uh, just, you know, Vanderbilt obviously losing their quarterback, losing their offensive coordinator. I think that's really going to hurt them in this one because Georgia's going to come out with a purpose here. And, uh, you know, we love uh, Keyshawn Vaughn, the Vanderbilt running back, but 
if that is basically the only thing they have to to test Georgia, I mean, Georgia can key in on him. And uh, this one could get ugly. So Georgia, 18.5, that's a lot of points. But I'm feeling pretty confident that the Bulldogs can cover that one. Yeah. All right, Shane. So we teased this earlier, and we got some updated over-under totals. And this, this is courtesy of FanDuel. And they have an over-under for every SEC team, and this is the first time I've seen that all offseason, so that's why I really wanted to talk about it. But uh, let's just go down the list here with the highest win totals first. And both Alabama and Georgia are at 11. So essentially you have to, if you're going to go over, you're going to think those teams are going undefeated. And keep Mm -hmm. in mind this does not include bowl games. This does not include SEC championships. So um, I don't know. I I think I would feel pretty confident with Alabama and the 12 because their schedule is just so weak. And then Georgia, I'm pretty confident they're going to go, you know, maybe 11 and 1, but I don't think they're going 12 and 0 in the regular season. So uh, that, that Georgia one's a stay away from me, but I, I like Alabama and the over. What do you think on those two? I, I'm the opposite, man. I think I'm more confident that Georgia goes 12 and 0 than I am Alabama. And I just think when you have teams like Texas A&M and uh, LSU mm-hmm. and these guys, I just I think there's going to be somebody sneak up and take Bama for a game. And I think Georgia knows exactly what they're getting into. And uh, they're out to prove something this year. So if I'm if I'm I'm not t- first off, I'm not betting on this. But if I was to have to pick one, I'm going Georgia 12 and 0. All right, Shane. So right below those two, we got two SEC teams with an over and under at nine, and that's Florida and LSU. Which uh, the winner of this game maybe that'll be the team that actually goes over, and the the loser obviously maybe the one that goes under. This game is in Baton Rouge this year, but uh, Florida's proven they can win in Death Valley. They've done it the last couple of times, I believe. Um, so Florida nine, LSU nine. What do you think of those over unders? <sighs> those are right at it, man. Again, I, it's kind of like Georgia and, and Alabama. It's just it's tough to, I mean, because in this situation you're you're kind of picking between these two teams, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, you're you're kind of predicting who do you think's going to win that game? And and right now in June, I just I don't know if, if I could touch either one of them. So. I'm probably leaning a little more toward LSU just because I'm on the hype train, but I wouldn't be surprised if Florida does it, you know. So, again, uh, two bets I'm not going to touch here. Yeah, I think for for the Gators, Shane, I would take the under because I just don't see them winning 10. I think that's a little bit unrealistic where I could certainly see them going 8-4. and four. Uh, This is – Definitely not one of my favorite bets on the board, but I, de- I like Florida in the under. And then kind of similar with LSU, I could see them winning 10, but I think 9 is probably a more realistic number for them. Uh, so that one's kind of a push that I would stay away from. Yeah. How often – let me ask you, Mike. If you got a bet in now, mm-hmm. do you think there would be much change here in the next 60 days? I mean, is, is there – a I mean, without injuries, I'm sure injuries would factor in or something like that. But do you see much movement in two months here? Yeah, that was that was where I was going to go with that question. The only thing that's going to shift these lines is, well, there's, there'll be two things. Uh, an injury to a quarterback or a star player at another key position, uh, but most likely only quarterback. 
And the only other thing that would change it is if people start betting these one of these teams significantly, then they'll correct it and kind of change it. And I got one on this list here, Shane. We're going to get to it in just a minute, but I recommend everybody to put money on it. I've already put money on it because these just came out on just today, and I found it, and I put the money <laughs> on it before uh, before they change it around because I think they're going to get some heavy action here. But... I wonder if it's the same one, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> but before we get to that, Mississippi State, Shane, how about this? They're next on the list at eight and a half. And I know we've both been kind of down on Joe Moorhead, what he did the first year there in Starkville. Uh, I'm not saying it's going to be doom and gloom for the Bulldogs, but eight and a half, that seems like a very high number. Now, they, yeah. do, they do have some very winnable non-conference games, so you got to factor that in. But uh, I don't know. I, I just I don't see this team winning five SEC games, and that's basically what it's going to take for them to get to uh, nine wins. That's me, Mike. I think that the eight, I was interested. Eight and a half, I'm out. So I'm going to go under on Mississippi State. Yeah, I agree with that one. And then we already know where you're going to go with this next one, Shane. Auburn at eight. That's kind of right. That's kind of a push for me. I could see them going eight, possibly even nine. I think that Florida game, that's a toss-up to me. They could surprise and, and get the Gators there, but that's more of a stay away from me. And I'm assuming you are throwing Gus under the bus <laughs> and going with that under. That's right. I'm not quite putting the mortgage on this one, but I am betting heavy on Auburn to get under. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shane. Next on the list, Texas A&M. Surprising because they, you know, they have a lot of hype, but they've got an incredibly tough schedule. Texas A&M's number is at seven and a half, and I actually like the over. I think uh, I think they can win eight games. They're going to be favored. They have the better coaching, and they're going to have the better talent than. Many of the teams they face this year, I don't care how hard that schedule is going to be, uh, and I got confidence in them to pull an upset or two. So I like the over with Texas A&M. Where are you at with the Aggies? I, I'm with you. I'm right there at it. You know, if this thing shifts another half, I'm out. But I, I think they can get that. That uh, it's eight and a half, right? You said? Oh uh, no, it's seven and a half. So all they oh, have seven. to do is get to eight wins, and they're good. Yeah. No, I'm going to go with eight then for sure. All right, Shane. Your boys, Tennessee and Missouri, same number. This was shocking to me when I saw it. Missouri, six and a half. Tennessee, also six and a half. And the Tigers, that's the team I was teasing before. That's the team I've already wagered on uh, because the Tigers, they are probably going to be favored in their first eight, and they've got some winnable games on the back end too. So I have no idea where this six and a half is coming unless – uh, Kelly Bryant walks out the door tomorrow that <laughs> that I'm unaware of. Uh, what are your thoughts on Tennessee and Missouri at six and a half? Yeah, I'm with you. That's like the one I'm putting all my money on is uh, is Missouri. And the only thing I could see, and this is something you brought up on the last podcast, which kind of has me a little worried, is if this thing gets shot down, you know, this appeal for the bowls mm -hmm. and, and, you know, I mean, because you have seen it before with Ole Miss, just taking the wind right out of the sails. And, and then you could possibly see, you know, lackluster performance down the backstretch. But I just think that the schedule is, is, is perfect. I think you're going to hit this quicker than any other because you're talking seven. I think they go seven and oh. Mm -hmm. You know, so uh, wait, do you have do you have their schedule in front of you? First seven games of the season for Missouri. We already went over at Wyoming. That's the opener. And yeah. they're, they're favored by more than two touchdowns. West Virginia at home. 
They're going to be favored in that one. Southeast Missouri, obviously going to be favored in that one. They get South Carolina at home. They're probably going to be favored in that one. But I, I mean, I could see the Gamecocks winning it, but I think Missouri will be the favorite. Then they get a bye week. And then they have Troy at home. They're going to be favored there. Old Miss at home. They're going to be favored there. At Vanderbilt, they're going to be favored there. At Kentucky. Kentucky may be favored, but I could certainly see Missouri winning that one. And that's their first eight, Shane. Yeah, yeah. You're going to get it. So put it all on Missouri. Trust me. And their last game is at Arkansas. So they should win that one too, I think. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's so it's just, I don't know, it just seems like a sucker bet for some reason, you know? I think they're counting on the fact that uh, most people know Missouri for Drew Locke, and now that he's gone, they're, they're thinking it may not, uh, you know, the program may not be able to survive without him, but uh, I think you're right. I mean, I, that's just, um, that's a perplexing number to me. And then for the Tennessee six and a half, Shane, I'm pretty confident that the Vols go over the more I think about it because... I just think that uh, particularly with their schedule, they don't have a Power 5 team out of the non-conference, so they're going to have to you know, go 4-0 in the non-conference, but that they're going to be heavily favored in every single one of those games. They can get those four, Shane. I think they can easily get three SEC wins and uh, possibly four, and if everything breaks right, I mean, maybe even five. I'm not. Ooh. I'm not ready to go that crazy, but uh, you know, if Jared Garantano really progresses under Jim Cheney, uh, I think that's certainly possible. Keep talking to me, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I like the over myself, so I, I think we see. Uh, I, I, you know, you keep saying this year's gonna be our year. I think this is the year we we finally turn the page and and, and you know at least start hitting a bowl game. So. Uh, yeah, give me the over on that one for sure. All right, Kentucky, South Carolina, and Arkansas, they are all at six, Shane. And Kentucky, I don't know, man. It's This is a tough one for me. I think if I had to lean one way, I would go over. I think Kentucky can win seven uh, because I don't think that they've lost enough to just you know collapse this program and, and they're not going to win half as many as they won last year. They still have a solid foundation and – most of the key coaches back. So give me Kentucky in the over, but not by much. What are your thoughts on the Wildcats? Out of those three, that's the one I'm leaning toward. Um, you know, I'm not counting out Kentucky. I think that this is a this is going to be a ball club that, that may surprise a few people, that people may sleep on, and then they come away with the victory that you weren't expecting. And, and I don't think they're going to lose any games that they were expected to win. So – um, yeah, give me the over on Kentucky for sure. And now, my favorite one here, though, Shane, is South Carolina at six. I really think the Gamecocks are going to surprise some people this year. Now, I don't think they're going to you know, touch Georgia in the East, but I think there's a good chance that they're the East second best team. I mean, they get Florida at home. They're definitely going to have to pull that one. I know they play Clemson. That's basically an automatic loss at this point just with what Clemson has, but that doesn't factor into the SEC race, obviously. So I think year two under Brian uh, McClendon's offense, Jake Bentley, I mean, I'm I'm never going to hype that guy up anymore because he's received too much hype, but there's there's something to be said for experience, and he's finally, you know, he's got to prove something to a lot of Gamecock fans, and I think he will in the second year of this offense. So I like them to upset a team or two and, and maybe win eight games next year. 
real quick, and I and I don't want to do all the schedule game, but real quick, could you read down their schedule because it's pretty brutal, and I just want to in my head just imagine seven victories. All right, Shane, first game. We touched on it already. Neutral site against North Carolina. We both like the Gamecocks there. Charleston Southern, week two, at home. Yeah. Then they get Alabama, week three, at home. Then they go to Missouri, and then they have Kentucky at home. Then they have a bye week, and then they go at Georgia, and then they return home for Florida, and then they go to Tennessee. Then they host Vanderbilt, host Appalachian State, go to Texas A&M, get a bye week, and then go to Clemson. Or, or no, they host Clemson. I'm sorry. Damn, Mike. I I mean, I mean, there's going to be some 50-50 games in there, but I don't know. I that's a brutal, brutal schedule. I I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna steer clear of that one for now. I think I think that six is the spot, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't be surprised if they climb up to seven or eight. But I also wouldn't be surprised if they go to five. You know, so. I'm going to stay away from that one until we, and like you said, this is a second year in this offense. I want to see, I think they got, uh, you know, talking about receivers, underrated receivers. I think South Carolina is loaded with them and uh, I think they have real potential, but they're going to have to prove it to me because the past few years, you know, just like you said, you, you get, you get in on Bentley and you're like, all right, this is his year. This is, you know, he's going to get all this stuff. And then, you know, now, now we're like, well, damn, can that freshman play? You know, I mean, it's, it, it could go, it feels like it could go either way here. So I'm, I'm just, I'm not going to bet on them right now. I want to see a few games. I want to see this offense and how they operate. I think the defense is going to be better than people think. And um, I think they're going to be all right, but uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm in that, You've hurt me too many times, mode. You know, <laughs> so I'm I'm fragile with South Carolina right now. All right, the final six team, Arkansas. Shane, this is uh, the first over under I've seen for the Razorbacks, and I'm fairly confident. I've been, you know, singing the Razorbacks praises here this off season, but a bowl game in year two, I don't know if they're ready to make that big of a step. I like the under on this one. I think Arkansas probably finishes with about five wins next season. Yeah, I'm going under as well. Nothing against you, Arkansas fans, but I just think uh, this. Is, I mean, this is a true rebuild, and you're you're still a few years away. All right, the last two teams here, Shane Vanderbilt and Ole Miss, both at the number five for the over/under 2019 season. Uh, and for me, Shane, I like Ole Miss in the under. I think Ole Miss is basically going to be this year's version of Arkansas last year. I like the Razorbacks to win that game. In Vanderbilt, man, that's a tough one, Shane. I think that's kind of a push, but if I have to go one way or another, I'm kind of I'm tired of doubting Derek Mason's program. I think uh, you know I think he's an excellent coach. I just don't think they they have the resources or they even put forth the resources to to build that program up. But if I had to lean one way, Shane, I would probably go with the over with Vanderbilt. But that's basically a stay away from me. I I think five and seven is is about right. Yeah, I'm I'm staying away from both of these and. If I had to pick one to go over, just because I like Keyshawn Vaughn so much, I'm going to go with Vandy, but I'm still I'm still not going to bet on him. All right, Shane, so that's all the gambling news we got, but uh, we do have a bit of a mailbag question here. 
we got asked this uh, about a damn month ago, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and apologies for the late response, but we still wanted to come through for you. Listen up, it's time for mail call. Don't have to answer that question. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? My turn. What do you got? Okay, here we go. What color is a fire truck? Oh, oh God, I always get these. Um, okay. Uh, all right, fire truck. This one comes from Davy Crockett, my buddy. Uh, it says, how does Tennessee's receiver core stack up in the SEC? Any chance you can give us a 1 to 14 rating? Yeah, and this was well, asked quite a while ago, Shane. But, hey, we <laughs> if you ask us a question in the offseason, our vow is to get it before the season comes. <laughs> <laughs> Just for anyone out there wondering, uh, but uh, let's uh... let's let's go down the list. Who do you think in the SEC has the best receiving core? I think I've got mine in my head. I want. To, I'm curious who you say. Yeah, I think without question, it's got to be Alabama number one. Okay, that's what I say. Alabama number one. Mm-hmm. Who you got number two? Number two, and this is uh, you know. I say number at number one Alabama is the clear choice, but I also think number two is a clear choice. I'm going with the Florida Gators. Oh, okay. I'm a little different on you here. Mm-hmm. I say LSU Tigers. Yeah. Now I've got the Tigers at number three, just for the simple fact that you know I think there's a chance LSU's guys take a big step up this, especially with this new offense, but. Uh, a lot of that is potential. A lot of it is promise. A lot of that is recruiting rankings. Uh, whereas Florida's guys have been doing it for years, a bit more consistent, a little bit deeper in my mind. So I give the give the slight edge to Florida, but uh, I don't think you're far off putting LSU number two because they're my number three. And we're and we're just flip flop because I've got Florida three. So, mm-hmm. so who you got number four, Shane? Um, this one may surprise you, but I think. Oh, it's close. I got. I'll tell you who's between is Texas A&M and South Carolina, and I'm leaning South Carolina for everything I saw in the spring game. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I've got South Carolina number five, so we're not far off there. But one receiver core that I think you're sleeping on, Shane, Auburn. I got Auburn number four, and a lot of that has to do with uh, you know the speedster Anthony Schwartz, and we can't forget that uh, Will Hastings. He's mm-hmm. he's coming back from injury, so and Seth Williams. I mean, he he, you know, he really started to break out at the end of last season. He was a star in the spring, so I think Auburn number four for me. And you already said South Carolina. They're my number five. Who do you got number five? Number five, I've got Texas A and M. I just I thought those guys looked really good last year, and I think they're going to improve. Mm-hmm. And they got another year with with Kellen. I just think that they're going to take a step forward and, and be a force. So I've got uh, Texas A&M at five. Yeah, and that's not a bad selection, but I've got them a little bit – I got them at number seven, and I'm going to make you happy with my number six here, Shane, because I got Tennessee. I think the Vols are in the top half of the, of the SEC receiving core uh, at number six. Um, where would you rank Tennessee in the SEC's receiving course? Uh, Tennessee I had seven. 
Okay. So uh, we weren't too far apart there. Mm-hmm. So that's my number seven for Texas A&M. Wait, now, would you would you drop it if you found out Jawan Jennings wasn't going to be available for four games? Yeah, I probably would. I would probably knock them down at least a spot. I'd, I'd flip-flop them with Texas A&M because – you're right. The Aggies—they've got some really good young receivers and some guys that uh, you know—they weren't always consistent last season, but they did make plays, particularly in that Clemson and that LSU game. I mean, they had some studs in that game. If mm-hmm. they can do that more consistently next season, uh, there's a chance that Texas A&M's receiving score. I can even see them above LSU. I mean, I think they can make that big of a jump next season, particularly in year two of Jimbo Fisher's offense. So. Uh, you know, the margin between three and seven for me is is not that great. Yeah. And then next team down chain, I've got Missouri number eight. Uh, Jonathan Johnson, Jalen Knox, Jonathan Nance. I mean, we got some really good players here. Uh, where would you rank Missouri in your receiving ranks? Well, I had Missouri at nine mm-hmm. and I had Georgia at eight. Now, Ooh. I made my list before the Holloman news. So, but I, you know, I'm afraid to change it because I, I'm, I'm buying into the hop. I, I think it doesn't matter really who they put out there because I think Fromm's going to make whoever's out there look good. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to keep Georgia at eight. You know, it's funny, Shane, because that is where I had Georgia as well before the Holloman news, but I had to dock them a couple. I got Georgia down at number 10 now. Uh, because they still do have a ton of talent at that receiver position. They just have, have lost basically all the production. Uh, but, I mean, you can't dismiss guys like, I mean, Demetrius Robinson was a five-star. George yeah. Pickens is a five-star. Dom Dominique Blaylock's a five-star. Uh, Tyler Simmons is a good player. So, And I, like you said on the last podcast, I think that they're going to kick out uh, James Cook to receiver. I really do think, I mean, I think they're going to be forced to basically. But if you throw him in, um, I mean, there there's very few receiving groups in the nation that have that much talent. So the production may not be there, but I think by the end of the season, the, the Georgia receivers will rise up these rankings. Yeah, definitely. Uh, number 11, Shane. Now, the, these last four for me, they're kind of grouped together. So this is kind of the, the, you know, the, <laughs> the least talented in my opinion. But I got Arkansas number 11. Uh, they've got some some young freshmen coming in and some promising sophomores. Well, where did you have the Razorbacks? You you have Knox number eleven. Let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I they got another guy that I really like. Traylon Burks is another true freshman. And, yeah. Uh, Mike Woods. I mean, I didn't really see much from him last year, but there, but he was a guy that was committed to this staff at SMU, so they must see something in this kid. Uh, Deion Stewart, I think, is a solid player. So that that's kind of why I have Arkansas at number eleven. But, I, I but got, mainly because of Trey Knox. <laughs> I'm kind, of, I'm kind of like you. Got them grouped together, and uh, but I'm leaning a little more toward Kentucky. Like I said, I I just saw more of them in the spring game, and I think they have potential. I think they had potential last year. It's just Wilson, you know, he was hurt, and they were they had a hard time getting them the ball. So uh, I'm I got Kentucky, then Arkansas. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I got Kentucky at number thirteen. Just because, I don't know, it's kind of the Lim Bowden show, and that's about it for me. I'm not seeing a ton of uh, shoe playmakers there for the Wildcats at the receiver position last season that are returning. 
but before I get to Kentucky, I got Mississippi State number 12. Uh, I mean, they've got some good-looking receivers, but uh, half of them can't catch the catch the ball and <laughs> I mean it, they really need to take a step up this this season at Mississippi State's receiving core and last but and least for me uh, Ole Miss all the way down at 14 and if we were going to rank many position groups I mean I think Ole Miss is going to come in last or near last for for several groups and I mean that just kind of gives you an idea of what I'm thinking of the Rebels this year yeah I'm a little hopeful for the running backs but mm-hmm. uh, yeah I'm with you Ole Miss and uh, I think Mississippi State, I just think the whole entire state is going to be uh, 13 and 14 there. I got Bandy right above them. All right, Shane, next thing we had on our docket here. I wrote this uh, article recently for Saturday Down South. My ideas, you know, a couple changes to college football recruiting that I think would improve the sport. And that kind of inspired you to kind of come up with some ideas. So let's just go back and forth. We'll start with you, Shane. And uh, I think your ideas are more about, you know, helping college football overall, whereas my ideas help college football recruiting specifically, but at the same time, the, the overall sport. But uh, just keep that caveat in mind. What's your number one thing on your list, Shane? You know, it's funny because when you told me about this, I sat out here for like 10 minutes and I was like, well, I don't know. I just, what can we do? And then all of a sudden I was like, well, we could try this and then this. And then next thing you know, I've got like, I got eight things on my list here. So the one thing, and this is something I've harped about in the past and I'd love to see in the future mm-hmm. is doing away with divisions, doing away with rivalry games and don't, don't kill me, but I just, I, I like a 10 2 schedule where you're playing 10 teams in the sec and then two teams from a power five conference. And I'd love to see it rotated so that, like everybody from the SEC, their two teams are going to be teams from the ACC. Mm-hmm. And then the next year it's going to be, you know, the, the Big Ten or something like that. So it's just, going to, it's just going to constantly rotate, kind of like the NFL does with the AFC. And then all of a sudden, you know, they, this year they're playing NFC East com- opponents, you know, and every, they play everybody in that division. I just think, you know, these kids are in school for three, four years. They should be able to play multiple schools I, I don't think that they should go four years and not play somebody in their own conference and uh, I think it makes for better football and I like the fact that if you have <clears throat> let's say this year SEC and ACC are mixed up you know I, I think it's better for the brand because you know when we're over there in the ACC we're, we're getting more exposure and then when we're going to you know, the pack, you know, so, I mean, could you imagine having two games out there? I mean, it's just, it would be fantastic. So I like the 10 two schedule and get rid of the championship game and move into an eight game playoff. All right. That's it. That's, that's my top one. Whoa. You, yeah, you awesome. lost me at getting rid of rivalry game shame because that's, <laughs> that's what makes college football so awesome in my mind. I don't, I just don't, I don't want us to ever see what happened to Texas and Texas A&M. I don't want to see that happen to the rest of college football. I, th- I think that's a that's a damn near travesty. Would you would you be willing to maybe to mix it up? Maybe each team gets all right. Go with me, Mike. We're going down this rabbit hole just for a second. What if each team has two rivalry games? Okay, so uh, let's say Alabama. Alabama can have Auburn and they can have Tennessee. That's their two rival, and that never changes. 
but that still leaves, you know, in this situation, let's see if we have two and then let's say six games that they could bounce around. I mean, you're still going to get all the other SEC teams. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what about a two, two, and six schedule? Is that is that math even work? I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know if that math works. That's two, eight, yeah, yeah. So so you're only playing ten game seasons? No, no, no. Okay, so two rival. Mm-hmm. All right, two from a Power Five conference. Mm-hmm. So that's four, and then eight rotating in the SEC. Okay, no, that makes more sense. Yeah, I would, I would not be opposed to that. Okay, all right, it's done. <laughs> Make it law. <laughs> so here you got. Here's my top one, Shane, and I got a lot of blowback on this one, but I think recruiting, college football recruiting, has gotten so haywire. I mean, it's it's a damn clown show, is what it's turned into, Shane, and. Uh, maybe it's not a problem that needs to be fixed. I, I'm not saying it's broken, but I think what would really help, I mean, I think this helps everybody. I think it helps the high schools. I think it helps the colleges. I hope. I think it helps the parents, and most of all, and most importantly, the high school kids. College football teams should not be able to op- offer scholarships until a recruit is done with his junior season of high school football and what inspired me to kind of come up with this entire list here, Shane, was, uh, you know, the eighth grade kid that committed to Tennessee. And I'm not trying to take anything away from Tennessee for landing that commitment. I'm not trying to take away from that kid's moment because if he really wants to go to Tennessee, you know, he should be able to to commit. And, and hopefully he does show up and, you know, he has a great career and everything. But I just I'm, – I'm not sure it helps – that uh, you're forcing these college coaches to scout middle schools and freshmen and sophomore. I mean, they have, just to use this kid as an example, and again, it's nothing about him, but it's, it's literally any eighth grader an SEC team offers, they have no idea if he can even get into school academically. Uh, they have no idea what he's going to be four years physically. Uh, they just have no idea. And it just, I, I don't know, it's almost like a joke to me. And I think if you're, if you cannot hand over that scholarship until you have a better understanding of where a kid is academically and physically and, and matured, I mean, if you're giving it, him a, a scholarship offer 13 months before signing day, I think that's plenty of time to, to kind of just kind of clean it all up. What do you think on that? I like that. Uh, you know, and, and I think, too, it it's better for the student, you know, to to be able to – I mean, because some of these kids are true to their word, you know. When they commit, they commit. Mm-hmm. But if they have a freshman, sophomore, junior year to explore other schools, you know, they, they may decide to go somewhere else, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm with you on that one. That makes sense. I would like the scholarship to mean something, like if you – Give them a scholarship like you can't pull it, you know? Well, Shane, what do you know? That's my number two. Oh, okay. Because while we were doing this, I looked up all the scholarship offers that these SEC teams have handed out in an eight-year span, Shane. If you had to just take a, a random guess, how many scholarships do you think Tennessee has offered in an eight-year span? In eight years? Yes. Uh yeah. I don't know, uh, 160? 
Tennessee leads the SEC with 2,627 scholarship offers. So, and, and it's not to, again, I'm not trying to pick on Tennessee because Ole Miss is 2,321, Kentucky's 2,324. I mean, just on down the list, and even Texas A&M is at the bottom, and they've offered 1,132. Uh, I mean, basically what that means is that these scholarships don't mean anything. They mean nothing, and – you just hate to see when these scholarships get pulled from these kids, especially right before signing day. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's just like a, I don't know. It's a, it's, it's a terrible thing. And I mean, I understand why it goes on. And uh, I mean, you got to get the best guys on campus because your job depends on it and whatnot, but maybe you shouldn't be offering these scholarships if they don't mean anything. And maybe you shouldn't <laughs> be offering them if you could just yank them at the last minute. So as long as a, as a kid that gets offered a scholarship can academically get into your school and he does not get in trouble with the law, I think if you extend an offer, uh, you should that should be essentially a binding deal. And I think that would kind of curb just handing out these scholarships like they mean nothing And because uh, I, I think that's kind of an issue. Absolutely, man. Well, kind of going off your scholarships, I've got a couple here. One, I don't want to see scholarships pulled from a student that is academically doing well or that's not in trouble. I mean, this is something that you really don't hear a lot of, but it happens all the time. You know, they need a scholarship, so they take it from somebody that's on the team. Have mm-hmm. you, you know, right. I, I, that should never happen. If you offer a scholarship, it's as good as gold. You, you have a scholarship till you're done with college. Um, now, this one right here, this one's just a, I don't know, a little, uh, little one that I like, something that would strengthen the locals. And that is have one local walk on. And like a requirement is they have no D one offers. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like there's, there's a lot of kids in your community. It has to be within a 50 mile radius of the school of the college, but you know, everyone, you know, has that opportunity because there's a lot of great high schools in every area Mm -hmm. and you know, they're just not good enough to, to get to that next level. And I think that they should have a mandatory, mandatory, one limit per per year, and it's a walk-on from a local high school. Can we call that the, I don't know, the Rudy squad or something? We can call it whatever you want, man. We could call it, I was thinking more like Miracle, you know, with uh, the Eagles yep. and the kicker, you know. <laughs> that's kind of what I was thinking, you know. Uh, I mean, we, we don't have to accident, we don't have to put an age limit on this thing, you know. <laughs> I'm not saying that I'm going to try to walk on or anything, but. I think it would be kind of cool for, to you know, just to, you know how big Texas A&M and the 12th man is? Mm-hmm. It's like that, but for every school. So um, I, that's what I'd like to see, something like that. It probably never happened, but – and some schools, it has happened, you know, just mainly because of who they know or who the coaches know or something like that. But, you know, it could be a big deal. Shane? Yeah? Just when I think you can't – do anything dumber <laughs> you pull me back in man because I, I love that idea i think i think it would be awesome if you know i don't know how ins- inspirational it would be but i think it it may be if uh you know sometimes 
you know, maybe the season's not going the way you want it, but you got these damn four Rudy guys giving their damn heart out just because they know if they kick ass and practice for a couple of years, they may actually see the field. Um, yeah. I can't really see any negatives to this. I mean, it's they wouldn't really be taken away from anything, and it's just, you know, you're 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 potentially uh, fulfilling a lifelong dream of some local kids who, uh, you know, I don't I don't know. I just I I just I can't believe you hit me with that. I think that's a that would be an awesome <laughs> addition to college football. Hell yeah, I love it, man. I love it. Let's make it happen, Mike. Let's go pick it at these universities. I'll I'll see. I'll see you at media days, Mike. <laughs> All right. The final thing that I've got for changes to college football that I think would really help. I do think as much as we love college football, Shane, I do think there is a slight problem with the current setup. And my main issue, and maybe this is just comes from years of watching Tennessee football, but for a team, let's, let's just take Jeremy Pruitt, for example, you know, he is tasked with catching up to Alabama and Alabama essentially is so far ahead of Tennessee that you're asking him, you know, it's like kind of asking him to catch a marathon runner. That's already halfway towards the finish line. Yeah. And that's not only a Tennessee problem. That's, uh, that's a problem at Arkansas right now. Uh, that's, you know, to an extent that's a Texas A&M issue right now because with Jimbo Fisher taking over. So my idea the first two years that a college coach takes over a program, I think, you know, there's so many guys that transfer out, and Arkansas kind of gave me this idea because I don't know if you're aware of this, Shane, but Arkansas has had 20 players leave the program since Chad Morris took over, and that's just uh, in the last couple months here. So they've, they're, they're down 20 guys, and I think – for every guy that leaves early via transfer because, you know, for whatever reason, they don't like the new coaches, they don't like what happened maybe under the previous coach, or they're not making the grades, or they get hurt and they just can't physically go, whatever the excuse is, if a player leaves early and you're basically down a spot, I think you should be able to sign an extra high school player to make up for that. So I'm essentially saying that in the first two years of Chad Morris's program, he should be able to sign an extra 20 guys. And I think that that helps college football in many ways, because what you don't want is you don't want the Razorbacks to be, you know, incredibly thin at any position. Cause you're going to get, people, right. you're going to get people hurt. And it's not like Arkansas is just going to go out there and get 25 stars and, and be the next Alabama immediately. So that's not realistically going to happen. But if they do have an extra 20 guys in there, maybe they get a couple gems in there. Or maybe they maybe they just get 20 you know quality players. Instead of telling Arkansas fans, well, you know, last year was rough. 2019 is going to be rough. 2020, <laughs> you might start seeing something. 2021, we could be a contender. I mean, I think that hurts college football that you're asking these people to pay all this money and pay attention and three or four or five years down the road, it's going to come together. I think, yeah. I think you can really help these first and second year coaches by allowing them to kind of get the roster full of their guys, make sure there's not any horrible depth depth issues. I mean, we've seen it at Tennessee. Hell, hell Shane, they can't field an offensive line the last like three coaches. So mm -hmm. if you're allowed to oversign, I think that corrects a lot of issues. And I don't think it's going to be completely, you know, competitive disadvantage because if you're only allowing the new coaches to do it, 
they're already behind a Clemson, an Alabama, a Georgia. So it's not like they're going to be stealing all their recruits. I just think they need bodies. They need quality players to come in there to kind of play a little bit of catch up. And I think that would help college football. What would you think? And go with me, Mike, because we're thinking outside the box here. What if uh, what if the universities were allowed to have, you know, because they can have only so many on the roster, right? Right. But what if they could have, I don't want to call it a JV team, but maybe they could have 20 additional players that are not on scholarship that, you know, maybe you do something special for them, like pay for their books or their meal plan or something like that. You know, maybe just a little something, but kind of create like an NFL practice squad. So if one of these guys do transfer out, instead of searching for that high school player, they can just promote from within, um, you know, something like that. Well, my only thing was I think they basically already have that with like walk-ons and scout teams. But, you know, I mean, unfortunately, most of those walk-ons, I don't think they really have business playing in an SEC game you know what i mean they're gonna they're gonna yeah. get themselves hurt i mean uh, no i know now I just... there, there are success success stories so i'm not trying to say it can happen but it's hard for me to imagine you know you got 20 elite walk-ons on your roster <laughs> what about juco's can what about just being able to pull directly from a juco school or something you know like if you have one transfer out week three mm-hmm. i mean what if you could pull a juco like you could have the same transfer deal from juco that same week they could come up and make the team you know so you're saying like if jared garantano got hurt week two jeremy pruitt calls last chance you and they just ship him a quarterback yeah that's what i'm saying man that's what i'm saying build a pipeline with these schools (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i'm just thinking outside the box here because i'm like you i mean sometimes you look at these teams and I mean, you're everybody knows the stars, mm-hmm. you know, everybody knows who's, who's first team and who's second team some, but you know, it's amazing just how many moving pieces are on these teams. You take a picture of a squad from year one and you look at it year four, you know, it's, it's practically a brand new team except for the elite five, four, you know, some of the three stars, you know, they just, it's interchangeable. So, I don't know. Some of these coaches, these new coaches, they get behind the eight ball, and and it's tough for them because these kids are transferring out left and right, and you know you've got all these rules you got to follow. So, uh, I I kind of like what you're saying there, man. So that's all I've got on that one. You got any uh, any left on your list? Oh, oh, oh yeah, Mike. All right, we're gonna start off with uh, touchdown football. Okay, what I mean by that is. Uh, Mike, it's 2019. The technology's there. If that damn football touches the line, we should know it. There should be chips at the tip of all these footballs. You know, I mean, you could watch a hockey match, and if that puck barely gets across, it lights up, you know, everything. So I don't understand why we we got all these, which also leads to another one, more camera angles. I want more cameras on these football fields. You know, it seems like every time we're watching an instant replay, they've got four angles and they're all terrible. You know, we can afford <laughs> to put some more cameras out there. And if you had a touchdown football, then you never have to worry about it because they can look at the computer and say, oh, yeah, it did cross the plane. That is a touchdown, you know. 
Yeah, and I think that could be that could easily be implemented. I mean, you just have some kind of wire maybe b- below the field, you know, across the the goal line, and like you said, put chips uh, exactly. in the ball. Uh, yeah, that's my, that's my, not a bad my idea. Dog can't leave my yard, okay? My dog can't <laughs> leave the yard. He gets over there, he's gonna get his ass burnt, okay? He knows it. Why? You know, we don't have to. We're not electrocuting people, but if my dog, if I have that technology advancement here in east tennessee we can figure out how to put it on a football field and when we get in those tough angles and they're going and it's a quarterback sneak and there's bodies everywhere we don't know where the football's at you know we could look at the replay see where the knees are because we've got more more angles and we know when the football crossed the plane so uh that has to happen and it has to happen soon how about this shane one slight improvement let me uh let me hear your thoughts on this but what if the ball the chips in the ball kind of light up from inside so that when it extends to the goal line maybe it it like glows or something and then we could be looking at replays is the ball glowing is his knee down i mean hey that fixes everything doesn't it well and well this this is my only concern with that is we're going to have some premature glowing balls out there mike and we're going to have somebody and we see that ball light up and we're going to say that's a touchdown but then you watch the replay and you're like oh shit his knee was on the ground so i think it all needs to be going to a booth um, and, and not there at the field. I mean, there's tons of referees out there that can't get around anymore. I'm sure they got, they got like an instant replay room just for the SEC. You got three or four of them in the booth and, and they can vote. It's a, you know, but it's gotta be quick. We can't, we can't be spending all time on this replay, but if you got this computer system set up and it says, okay, boom, green light, the ball did cross. Okay. Where's his knee? Where's his elbow? Did he touch the ground before? Did he have control of the ball? Because we got all these fancy angles now. They should be knocking this thing out in no time. They should have three or four instant replay people. One, his job is strictly to make sure the ball is secured. Okay. The other one is strictly to find out where the guy touched the ground. The other one is a computer nut, and he can tell you exactly when that ball crossed the field or crossed the plane. So it's just we're, we're making it difficult. And I don't understand why we should be able to to instantly know that that ball crossed. So, uh. man, I gotta say it, Shane. The fact that we're talking glowing footballs, it, it's a dead giveaway. It's a damn June in the college football calendar. <laughs> we made it, Ma. All right, well, you got it. You got anything else, or is yeah, that? Yeah, I just got a couple more here, and okay. then I'm done. Um, what would you think about no extra points, like? No, feel, like field goals. Like you have to go for two every time you score a touchdown. I mean, the only time you can kick a uh, field goal is like just a regular three-point field goal. But other than that, if you score a touchdown, it's mandatory that you have to go for two. Yeah, I mean, I would not be opposed to that because they're just so automatic and it's just kind of a slow part in the game. Um, but I don't know if that's necessary, but I do think going for two every time would be more exciting and uh, I don't know. It it would be more interesting. I I would not totally be opposed to that. Okay. All right. I didn't know how that would go over, so I just thought I'd throw it out there. One last one I got, Mike. Uh, more fan interaction. You know, when we went to the spring game, uh-huh. it was awesome. We went out there. We were on the field. We we got to get autographs the whole nine yards. But the problem is, 
everybody comes to the spring game and you only really have the opportunity to get like a couple of signatures, maybe like, like there's no way you're going to get a signature from Pruitt and get one from Garantano and your know, picture made and all that stuff. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like you're, you're bringing your kids out, you know, this is a big event for them. It was a big event when I was a kid. I think they need to have more fan interaction. Now, if they start paying these players, I, that's one thing I would like to see is, you know, more fan events so that you could bring your kids out and meet the team and, uh, you know, just be more interactive with the, the community that's supporting you. How does that help college football? I don't know. I just want some autographs, Mike. <laughs> uh, I just, it helps college football because, you know, just an example. I went and uh, to a book signing for uh, Reggie White. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And like he, if he's doing a sermon and my, my uh, grandfather took me to him and my mom was there and, and we listened to the sermon and then after, you know, we bought the book and we went up and we got it signed. And you know what? Like before Reggie became Reggie, you know, I was a diehard fan. You know, that whole summer I, I had a jersey, uh, number 92. I wore it everywhere. I was just a huge fan because it meant so much to me to to talk to somebody that I was inspiring to be. You know what I'm saying? I got you. So I, I think that it's it's good for college sports to be more available to the players. Now I'm not saying that, you know, this is a weekly event or anything like that, but you know, three or four times during the summer, maybe have something, you know, where you could come out, listen to your coaches, get to know your coaches, that sort of thing. Maybe have something for the kids, uh, interactive, you know, forties and, you know, run forties and stuff like that. Just, I just think that it's, it's beneficial for the community and it's, uh, and it's good for your team too. So yeah. And, and they may have more things out there that I'm not aware of, but that's just one thing that I think would be kind of cool. All right, Shane, I think you sold me on it. I'm, I'm in favor of this too. I think you're making some good points and uh, you got to show, you know, prove that I'm just a jerk, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, Shane, this is going to be one of our longer episodes. So I think we got to cut it short. Uh, let us know what you think. You know, obviously we'll get back to the news once some news happens. Hopefully this isn't the worst podcast we've ever done. But uh, (laughs) if it is, uh, don't worry. We're going to go back to our regular format. If you guys hate it, let us know. Uh, Again, follow us on, we got the Reddit page, the Twitter page, the Instagram page. Uh, Ratings and reviews, those really help us out. And uh, maybe we need to, you know, go two weeks without a podcast again because we got like six <laughs> reviews <laughs> absolutely i appreciate everybody taking the time to hang out with us and i mean mike i mean we're under 60 days now i mean it's not long it's going to be a month away and when these kids start reporting for for camps and stuff i mean it's 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 going to be all man when is uh, uh when is uh sec media days I believe it is one month from today. Oh, okay. See, I mean, look how close we are. So, uh, I'm ready, man. I'm pumped up for football. There's no sports on anymore. It's it's all. I mean, it's it's on, son. So, uh, I'm ready. I'm watching these old highlights. You know, I'm trying to get one out. We're trying to get one out every day. 
and uh, it's been exciting, but it's also, it's just like a constant, I, I can't get enough of it. So, and I know you guys can't either, and I appreciate you hanging out with us and, and taking time. So that's all I got, Mike. I need another beer. I'm out. <laughs> all right, Shane. Thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go balls.